This episode is sponsored by Kendo UI. Kendo UI allows you to build better apps faster. They have a comprehensive library ranging from data grids and charts to buttons and sliders. Plus, you can use their components as plain JavaScript as well as in Angular, React, and Vue. They have a large collection of customizable popular themes like Bootstrap and Material. Go check them out at reactroundup.com slash kendoui. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another React Roundup. This week on our panel, we have Nader Devitt. Hello, I'm tuning in today from React Native EU in Poland. Awesome. You'll have to give us an update on what that was like maybe at the end of the show. Yeah, definitely. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. I want to encourage you to go check out codebadge.org. That's uh, one of the projects I've got going currently. We have a special guest this week, and that is Thomas. Should I even so, try it? Eglinskas? Don't try it. It's too hard for everyone. So it's Thomas Eglinskas. So hello, everyone. And I'm from Lithuania and Europe. So yeah, nice to meet awesome. you. Well, we invited you on to talk about this article that you wrote. And it was actually on the Free Code Camp uh, Medium blog which is interesting. I'm curious, how do, you get, how do you get something posted on the free code camp medium? Yeah, so I think everyone thinks that it's really hard to post to a big social, let's say, circle like free code camp, but it's really not that hard and you have something to say. There's like an email which you can just send your articles and someone will review them. And they will publish it if it's like good or in their opinion. And if it's wrong or there's something lacking, you'll get some feedback and you can improve upon and just send your article again. And time will take a little bit and they will publish your article. And that's literally how it started with me. At least I just sent an email and that's all. Right. Now you and Quincy are besties, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Awesome. We should get Quincy on to, on this show. We've had him on JavaScript Jabber twice, I think. We should get him on here to talk about Free Code Camp and what they're doing with teaching people React. So, did you go through Free Code Camp or how did you get into React? So, how did I got into React was maybe it will sound a little bit interesting. So, it started at university because I had a lecturer which just like motivated us to learn React, Mongo, and those things. And at first, it was really, really hard for me. And I remember I even like copied code from someone because I didn't know how to do stuff. But like time pressed on, and I got really hooked. And I continue still with React, and I find it really, really fun. So that's like how the initial story started of everything. Yeah. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, the article I should point out, I, I was like, oh, it's on Free Code Camp. And then I didn't actually <laughs> tell people what the article was about. So, the article is the most important lessons I've learned after a year of working with React. So, how the article started, let's say, what's, what's the story behind it? So, like one day I was just doing my bucket list, let's say, like this. And I just now knew that I want to publish something at some point. And because everyone was publishing and it was, I thought it may be so hard and I should try at least to tell something from my side and how I look at things. So I just decided to write it and just to write it and prove myself that I can. And I just started like from that perspective, how to tell to a person who's starting and like what I saw from my one year of React and how it went along as an abstract like story. So 
So um, you learned this stuff, I guess, while using React. Uh, what do you do for your work using React right now? Yeah, so we have a project. It's like, uh, let's say, we do everything, like the front end, back end, DevOps. And at least in my company, we usually, the, the first technology for front end is React. Then there's Angular. But we usually use everything like with React, and we just use React for production. I just use it for my own projects. I have tried Angular, but React just sticks to me a little bit more. And I just use it now every day at work and outside of it. So, yeah. Nice. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, and I think this was uh, something that, that kind of came out of this. It, it's in the first paragraph was, that uh, everyone states they found the right and perfect way. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> it is so true. So how do you how do you get past that? Where my way is the right way. I guess that sentence came by from all like when I was not learning React in particular. A lot of people just say like this is the right way. This is the right way. And how many there are people? There are different opinions. And at least in my mind. It's like how I started to differentiate from those opinions is just to start, like not start, but to stop doing tutorials, like loads of them, because a lot of people are afraid to do their own projects, for example, and just to use the technology. So like doing those projects and like finding information for myself, deciding for myself what is wrong, what is right. Later on, you just like, make your own opinion about things and then you read some tutorials but you have your own opinion and they they can approve or disapprove but you have some foundations of how you view the world and no one can just do it for you or decide for you so the the problem is that there are so many tutorials and so many different opinions that usually get like frustrated and you don't know what to learn or there are just too many things to learn and, and you just like are stuck in a big loop. Natter, what's the right way to do it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally feel that sentiment. I've gone through all that stuff and it's it's really hard when you're learning something new because you'll you'll read one thing and it may be out of date even or it might be um, really good information, but you, like how are you to know like what's right and what's wrong, especially when you are getting all of these mixed signals. Um, I'm kind of curious like how you came to uh, the conclusions that you came to um, as far as like best practices are concerned for you in particular, because like my best practices probably won't be the best practices yeah. for someone else. Um, it just kind of depends on your, your style, I guess you'd say, and how you like to organize things. But like, yeah, I'm just kind of curious, like how long it took you until you were comfortable and you didn't have to actually wonder if, you know, what I'm doing is the right way or the wrong way. It's just my way that works. I guess like, Everyone's learning all the time. So there are some situations where you're still fuzzled. Like, is, is it the, the right way or the wrong way? And time to time, the situations come up because you can do it in five different ways and you have to decide which is the better. You have to then think like for the scale, for the long term, how it would be like more readable for the other users. But at least how it came for me, I think it's different. Like you mentioned for everyone. It's like from practice, from other people, and like reading and learning from different articles, like podcasts and stuff. 
because I'm really open to other people's opinions. And if I have an, let's say, decision of something and they just say, like, it's wrong, I, I'm open to, not to say that I'm right. I'm open to, like, to hear why is it better than, you, that, than mine. So later on, by just hearing different opinions, trying them, failing, of course, you just build up the foundation of what you believe is right for you. Of course, it will change. I think you can change like in a month if you hear some opinion, which is like saying that there's a better solution for something. So I guess something like that. Yeah, totally. And I see that one of the points that you made is don't stick to the basics, become advanced. I completely agree with that statement. I think like in any career right now, as far as programming is concerned, the more that you can specialize in one thing, you don't have to know everything, but if you know a lot about one thing, you're going to do really well because you're going to not only be able to stand out from everyone else, but you'll be able to actually, of course, do your job better because you know that one topic really well. And a lot of times these days, companies are, when they're hiring, the generalists are not the people they're, they're hiring. They're hiring the specialists. And then on top of that, you can actually charge more money um, because you're, you know so much about a single subject. Yeah, totally. It's like, it's like you're in React Native Conf, so you probably will learn also a lot of advanced things and you will not look at the basics anymore. So, uh, Yeah, I, th- I think that's really... It's, it's interesting. I mean, there's something to be said for like, having some of the skills that the generalists have. I mean, you have to be able to work within the system. But yeah, a lot of these companies are out there hiring for a specific skill that will solve a specific problem that they have. And so if, if you're the person with that skill set, then yeah, they're, they're, they're going to look at you differently than they're going to look at other people. Um, okay. I'm curious, you, you mentioned that you like to have your thinking challenged a bit. Where do you go to get new information or to get that challenge to your thinking so that you can uh, upgrade your skills? I think it's like it's it's a funny question because there's a lot of it's a really a lot of places where you can be challenged. For example, the the silliest one I would say is going to interviews because there usually if you go to let's say companies interview, they'll probably will look at the technology totally different than your company. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's that's one of the situations that happened to me. And there were comments like, which I have probably would have never thought about. And that was one of the things which was probably the fastest way of feedback and how they saw like what's wrong with my code and what's good. But in general, doing the, the simpler way, not going to every interview you can find, uh, it's going to conferences and going to meetups and doing projects. And doing projects, I mean, not alone, but doing with someone. For example, I was doing a project with a friend and we all, we both do JavaScript and probably everyone would think that we do similar stuff, but in the end, it was totally different. And we challenged everyone's opinion. I, I challenged his, why you do this? He a question, why I do that? And later on, we learn a lot, like from both of us. So th- that's, I think, the funnest way of, and the most interesting way to be challenged and to learn. Yeah, I agree. I, I find that yeah, just talking to people and you know, how do you do this and why do you do it that way and just just getting a feel for the thinking behind it 
is often, you know, at least a good starting point for a lot of that kind of growth. Yeah, yeah, totally. You just have to go and don't be shy and just show your presence. And conferences are a terrific way to, or a terrific place for that, as well as the the meetups, like you said. I guess in in America, in the States, there's just a lot of meetups. So we don't have maybe, at least in my country, so, so many. But even in the States, you have the all... You have all the companies, you have all the people, all all the person, all the people who do tutorials. You can be challenged like every day, I think, in in real life or in, in video chat. It it depends, but yeah, some areas are, are better for that than others. I mean, you know, here in Utah, we have a pretty strong JavaScript community. We have meetups for uh, Angular and React as well as JavaScript. Some of those more than once a month. And so that's, you know, that's always an interesting thing to see. But, and I'm, I'll, I'll share this as a pick, but there's a talk that was given by a friend of mine, Miles Forrest, who is a member of the Ruby community. And he gave it at Cascadia RubyConf. But he basically talked about how he would drive to Seattle to go to a user's group because he had a good experience there. And then he started his own user's group in his own little town. And it's this dinky little town in the middle of Canada. You know, he would drive basically two hours or three hours to get down to Seattle for the meetup. And so, you know, the moral of the story is, is now he has a group that he can go hack with every, every week. And so you can start your own and I'll put a link in the show notes. But yeah, I think a lot of people just look and they go, oh, there's not one in my area. What can I do? And you don't even have to be an experienced developer to start the, the meetup. You can just pull it together and make it work. So. Yeah, I totally agree with this. Yeah, and I've noticed that there's been a lot more events here in Europe because, like I mentioned earlier, I'm I'm here in Europe now, but there's also an Amsterdam and uh, in, in the UK. I see a lot of events. I'm, I'm in Poland uh, for React Native EU. There's that that's been going on for a couple of years, and um, I mean, just actually almost all the countries I can think of, there's at least one or two events I've heard of. But I'm not sure about meetups. And I know that actually I haven't heard of anything in Lithuania where you live. So I'm not sure about that. But, but definitely, you know, in, um, in certain parts of Eastern Europe and Western Europe, I'm seeing more and more events. Yeah. The other thing I'll point out is, so I've been doing coaching to help people find jobs. And I guess I'll just plug that course is at getacoderjob.com. But one of the things that I've run across is I tell people to go find meetups and they go, there's not one in my area. And then I go, okay, well, what's your zip code, you know, or your postal code? You put that into meetup.com and then you type in software or programming or javascript and there was only one person i couldn't find a meetup nearby for and they lived in this small island country right where there just weren't a whole lot of people and uh anyway so it's to me it's just it's telling because it's it's hey just just try it you know just just go and see what you can find because you just, you never know. You never know what's going to be out there. So, you know, go look on meetup.com anyway and just see if there's something out there for you. Yeah, I started a meetup when I was first getting into programming, actually. <laughs> and um, I didn't really know what I was doing, but it, it definitely paid off in the long run. I got a lot of opportunities that came out of it and met a lot of people and learned a lot. So I live in Mississippi. So Mississippi, uh, if you don't know, is a... Uh, not really tech savvy area. <laughs> so I think to this day, it's still the only meetup that we have, but, um, but it's been a good experience and I'd recommend it. And 
Uh, it goes along with the whole like networking slash specializing thing. Yeah, I, th I think it's like it's a dream of most of the people to be an organizer of an event, but we're just shy and afraid of doing it because we, we're afraid that people won't come up or something. For example, we had a meetup of our company, but I think everyone was afraid that people won't come, but somehow from somewhere, like 150 people came to a simple office. Oh, wow. And it's like... Nobody expected this, but somewhere, somewhere, somehow, like from out of nowhere, just people came. And if you, if you want to like make a meetup or try at least, don't be afraid that no one will come. Someone will come for sure and you'll have a good time. So, yeah. Yep, absolutely. So one of the other points that I saw in this article that I really liked was that React is evolving and so you must be up to date. And, and this was interesting because, for one, I think a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to learn React. Like, I just get to the end and, and, you know, mission accomplished. And the other thing is, is this is something I get asked over and over and over and over again, is how do I stay up to date? So, that, you know, it, it's either people think they're going to arrive, and that's usually new people, right? They just want to reach some level of proficiency, or uh, that people are aware that they have to continue to stay up to date. And I'm curious, I, th I think the one, it's pretty easy, you know, guess what, folks, you got to keep learning. The other one, though, it's, it's okay. So how do you stay up to date with the evolutions in React? Because not all of it comes out of Facebook. Some of it comes from community people, you know, the Facebook team will obviously add stuff to the framework and they'll announce it. But then you get changes in like Redux or MobX or you know, some of these other, you know, state management seems to be a hot topic right now, you know, but a lot of these other areas and that's not being announced by Facebook. So how do you know which, which things to look at? So at least from my point of view, it's like what to look. I think the most in, like interesting and important thing is not to forget the fundamentals. So I know that we want to learn React and to know how to use different, let's say, things from it, but just to know, understand React like under the hood and why we use it from from the start because if it's there we we must know the reason behind it and how does it improve our just regular workflow and i think that's the the basic thing and the most important one at least in my opinion and a lot of people forget this we just know that there's redux or graphql or whatever but we don't understand it as a as a whole Deploy more, pay less with DigitalOcean, the simplest all-in-one cloud computing platform for developers. Scale and run cloud applications faster and more efficiently with effortless administration tools to robust compute, flexible configurations, networking services, real-time alerts, and rapid provisioning while enjoying industry-leading price-to-performance with a flat pricing structure across all global data center regions at any usage volume. Spend more time building better web apps and less time worrying about managing infrastructure with DigitalOcean. Build your next app on DigitalOcean. Get started with a free $100 credit at do.co slash roundup. Interesting. Natter, what, what, what kinds of things do you pay attention to as far as keeping up or keeping current with the changes in React? So typically, I follow people on Twitter and I'm really like ADD, so I'm always checking Twitter and I feel like that seems to be a really, really good place because sometimes I'll like see something that is not even really like talked about for months and then, but I'll already see it maybe uh, someone like mentioning it. And then like six months later, it'll get implemented. And then maybe 
a year later, I'll see someone post a blog post on it about how like they, you know, it just kind of came out. But in reality, it's like been out there for a while because I feel like Twitter is just, is like a stream of information. It's about the most real time you can get. So I think uh, following like a uh, few dozen of the, the top people on Twitter that either work at Facebook or that are very uh, active. I know uh, Ron Florence and Dan Abramov and um, a few other people in the React team are, are probably the better ones to, to follow because they'll not only talk about what's happening like at the moment, but they'll also talk about proposed things or things that are going to be released in the future. And, and, um, and then usually you'll be able to like not only hear about them, but you can actually you know, dig into maybe some example code or something like that. And then, of course, following people on Medium as well. Medium seems to be a really good place for me to kind of get good, good knowledge. So, and then I guess GitHub as well. If you subscribe to, if you're really uh, like uh, interested in the React stuff, go check out the, the React GitHub and um, you'll see pull requests and things like that, like which, which are pretty cool to watch. Yeah, I totally agree with Twitter. And it's, it's like you can find things which are never speaking about. And that's the, f- the most fun thing, at least in my mind. Like there's a, there was a big discussion about the suspense API, for example. And usually don't hear about it too much in the posts or whatever. But on Twitter, everyone is talking about it. So that's the most fun. So I'm kind of curious. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> no, go ahead. Yeah. So what interests you like for the future like what are you looking forward to working on or learning more about or maybe uh kind of specializing in that's different than what you're doing now i I guess it's an interesting question because uh, as i progress at least and i learn more things i understand that i want to learn more about everything and when you know more you understand that you know less and you want to know more but at least for now i'm mainly focused on react and maybe like I have decided now to try new things. For example, configure my own webpack all the time, like all the time. Use TypeScript, try to use GraphQL, for example, just to take all of those new technologies. Because I think like GraphQL will be really, really popular. And it already is at some point. But it will be really popular in like two years' time. So at least for now, the, the most interesting parts are these technologies at least and i guess i would still i still think about things like devops and i understand it's like about react but i think it's in like it's important to know at some level different things as a whole for example know to know backend and at least the minimum how it works like how you, you like unite everything like why devops is important in the first place like why do we use it like what's mm-hmm. the pipeline so i like to firstly understand and that's why what i'm doing at my work like for now it's like how to understand the system as a whole and like now little by little i'm trying to let's say specialize in front end because that's the that's the sphere i'm mostly keen into but i think it's important to know the whole infrastructure as a whole. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm, uh, I work at AWS and we do a lot of stuff now around GraphQL and we're seeing a lot of interest in it. It's gotten really popular. Um, we have a managed GraphQL service, but um, if you ever want to chat about that, holler at me. Okay, sure. I, I will have, because I think I will have a lot of questions regarding GraphQL because I read articles and like a lot of people are questioning around some topics. Like I, I think I remember like there was caching authorization 
the more the more interesting ones please so yeah yeah i'm i'm i love that stuff actually i'm, I'm doing workshops now and um okay. the two things that i like to to cover in the more in-depth workshops are user authorization um, because uh i think like when you're when you're building from scratch a, a graphql server you not only have to understand uh, the graphql and the client but you also have to understand how to actually implement a database and then you have to also understand how to implement the layer, which is the resolver between the uh, mm-hmm. the actual client and the database. And then you have to understand how security best practices work. And it's just a lot to understand and to learn for someone. And like, it's there's a lot of tooling that's coming out lately. I think the two that people use as far as building their own servers is Prisma and Apollo. Um, so those are both good options. And then at, at AWS, we have AppSync, which is basically a managed service, kind of like Firebase, that kind of handles all that stuff for you. But yeah, it's really fun, fun stuff to be working, just working with. And yeah, it's definitely uh, gaining popularity. It's going to be, it's it's already like big for our like small little like like echo chamber, but it's still relatively small. But I think what you're going to see in the next, like it's actually going to be like three years, I, I would say, three to five years is like, you're going to start seeing like, enterprises actually using it to the point where it's going to be the choice over rest but that's going to take a while i think so also and how big is your workshop like you mentioned you have a workshop so like um we just did a workshop in croatia we had like 60 people and then the one here we had like less than 10 people it just depends on how many people show up I have one workshop that's three hours one's that's seven hours one that's two days yeah. Okay, so the two days is the interesting, the most interesting one. So. The two days goes into user authentication, user authorization, and fine grain access control, and all that stuff for GraphQL. Yeah. Wow. How do people find out about those workshops, Nader? Just follow me on Twitter, pretty much, <laughs> <'Cause>, because <laughs> they're usually uh, conferences or actual AWS workshops that we give for free in New York. So New York, uh, San Francisco, Singapore, London, and forgot what other city we have like five cities where we give these for free and then we also do uh, conferences nice okay cool i would like to attend some at least one in some point in time so i will look into it so yeah definitely i'm, I'm a little curious uh what's one thing that you or what was one of these lessons that was the hardest for you to learn or last year like what was the hardest one principle here I guess, at least in my perspective, talking about React, the most important lesson, at least for me, was not sticking to the basics. And because a lot of people know React and how to use it, and they know on the basic fundamental level, but when you can show something like more advanced to most of the people, they don't understand a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. And when you push yourself to know advanced topics, you also usually push the ones around you to like understand for example if i'm like creating a table or like a tabs component for example and i'm using something more fancy than just usual prop like to say passing and most of the if the most people don't understand it they also need to be taught at some point level and like by not sticking to the basics you like encourage other people to learn also not only yourself if if they like stagnating at some point, you can push them to become at some point better. And I think that was the most important lesson, at least for me. And I try to like if I can just to teach others at some point how to use something more, let's say fancy or something not the basic. So 
That's interesting. Yeah, people are always looking to uh, increase their knowledge sometimes in those areas that, yeah, are more fancy or more advanced. I guess it's just not, I, w- I wouldn't say it's like fancy. It's just like, it's also the basics, but we are just so used to just passing regular props or just doing like state in one component and not utilizing the whole, let's say, infrastructure as a whole. We don't look, if we just usually see like, let's say, because most of the tutorials are quite on the basic level. Mm-hmm. And for example, I saw that they're really, at some point I saw that somehow there are so many patterns and I don't understand and how did they, like, how did they, they were created. And later on, when you just try to push yourself to learn them, you understand that these patterns are also the foundation of everything. They're, they're not advanced. It's just a foundation. You have to use it just to, to increase your workflow. You'll do it faster and you'll solve some problems which are not never thought. And yeah. So yep. I guess it's like, at least for me, I really like like Ken Sidos. So I'm like a big f- fan of him. Like fan, I mean a real, really fan. Because I think, <laughs> yeah, because I think the person is trying to spread knowledge, which is really valuable for a lot of people. And most of the tutorials are so basic that like if you know, you understand them and that's, you don't know, you don't learn anything too much valuable. But when you like just, you, if, for example, the first, let's say there was a code sandbox around patterns and I tried to watch it like six months ago and I couldn't understand anything. Like it was just too hardcore for me. Like six months have passed and now I can little by little understand what is written there. And I think that's the most important. If you find something you cannot understand at all, Maybe it's not time, but later on you will understand it and you will understand why it's needed. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Kent also. I, I highly recommend his newsletter for anyone listening because it's fantastic. And he just creates something every week and you get it in your inbox and you learn something new. It's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Like every two weeks or a week, I think, and you just find an email. Yeah, yeah I remember when Kent was just a newish programmer showing up to the local users group. And uh, it, it's, I think it's telling like what, what you're pointing out here in this article and, you know, what Kent's been able to do to help people advance in their careers and, and just things like that, where some people, they, they kind of get to a level of proficiency, they go get a job and then they just go to the job until it's time to go home. And then they go to the job the next day until it's time to go home. And then you get other people like Kent or like you, where you're writing this article or you know, Natter does a, a React Native podcast on devchat.tv and, you know, goes out and, you know, does the developer evangelist thing and helps people understand GraphQL and, and the services that Amazon offers. And, and you know, so we get people, who, and I'm not knocking the people who just go out and make a career out of this, but then you also get the people that go out and they're like, hey, I've got something to say. I've got something to share. I think this is going to make a difference. And, uh, you know, we, we, we need those people too. And uh, we all grow and become better when we share like that. Yeah, totally. I think that, we, like I mentioned, everyone thinks that it's so hard to, let's say, publish even the article to free CodeCamp. And if you, want, if you want to share your knowledge, it's not really that hard. You just have to want, and you will do it eventually. So, yeah. So one other thing I want to pick out of here, out of this article, is the refactor, 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 it's normal. 
For me, it's screw it up, screw it up, screw it up, and then fix it and then refactor it. But uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of times too, especially newer folks, they get this idea that they're just going to write it once and it's going to be right eventually. And I don't know very many programmers that actually manage to do that. Yeah, totally. It's like, I think it's the most, let's say, this is mostly important when you start out your career, because usually you think that at the first try you have to do it right. And usually that's not the case. At least it wasn't for me. And you'll probably will look at your code, at least I do, like two days later and it's like, what the hell? Or like in a week's time, I can change this, I can change that and do it in some better way. So it's not like if you did something bad, I mean bad, you mean in your own perspective, that's not the best code you have written. You don't bash yourself because it's wrong. You just improve upon it. Mm -hmm. And that's how you see that you improved in some time period from yours. Do you have an example of something that you've screwed up that you learned from? I guess, at least for me, the, the most interesting screw up was when I, but it's not related to React, was when I accidentally deleted a GitHub repo, which I was working on. And it was a project <laughs> for three months. So um, that, that was the most interesting screw up. But somehow, magically, it appeared the next day out of nowhere. So it was also the biggest surprise of my life. But in screw-ups, uh, I think most of my projects and I think most of our all projects, if you look back at least a year past, you'll probably find something you can refactor, redo, but you have to just wait in if it's worth it. So, yeah, at least that's for me. How about you, Natter? Do you have a good story? I have so many stories. I'm trying to figure out which is the worst one or the whatever, the best one, whatever you would say. <laughs> I mean, I, I can think back to like uh, my first jobs actually and having like written such terrible code. And those, I would say that when I was really early on is when I, I was learning the most and I would go back and, and a week or a month and, and, and be able to like spot just major, major issues. But I've been writing uh, React and React Native now for, for a while. I, I would say like the first year of writing React um, when I was trying to learn data architecture and we were writing Flux and then we'd rewrite in, in like another implementation of Flux, and then we'd rewrite again in Redux, and then we'd rewrite again in MobX. Those were pretty interesting times. And I learned a lot during that because like you start uh, understanding how all these different architectures work and their benefits and actually the, the actual philosophy that's actually behind these things. And you start being able to understand things at a deeper level. And it's pretty, that was pretty fun. Yeah, and, and which was the hardest state management to learn for you, at least at that point in time? For me, uh, there was this this implementation of Flux that was like an, a third-party library. I can't remember the name of it, but um, it, it was a combination of it being buggy and it also being like just overly complex that made it pretty terrible to work with. <laughs> It was like, uh, it, it was basically the next, it was like basically not the original Flux. It was like basically like an iteration of that. And then and then Redux, the very first time I tried to learn that, that was, that was actually pretty tough. But everything after Redux seemed to be pretty easy because at that point you're just like, <laughs> you know, if you understand Redux really well, you know, it's, it's pretty nice. But, and then there's, uh, I remember during the time that Redux was very popular, there was all these, and there still is a lot of these third-party libraries that, like abstract on top of Redux. So you end up like having 
like to understand Redux, to understand this library, and then you have to understand that library to understand this other library, and it just got a little too much. I was just like, you know, this is a little, like, they're trying to get rid of boilerplate, but you end up with just a lot of overhead, mental overhead. Yeah, I think, like, Redux is the biggest headache, at least it was for me, and there was there is this uh, repo thing, or the course on Egghead, like Dan Abramov does in Redux, but still, I think when you really, really start out, it's like magic. It's it really is, and it really was for me at that point. When you just look, and you still you don't understand anything. Like there's three videos in, and you're like, okay, I'll look at this in like three months' time, and I'll just do like states in my components, and everything <laughs> will be fine. So yeah. Yeah. Same. But I think like I like now that like I also mentioned in the article that I like when people don't over-engineer things. So for example, we have a project and maybe it's I wouldn't say it's the smallest of the projects, but for example, we don't know we don't need I mean Redux. And like we're not even using it, like we can live without it. And I mean the the thing is that Redux at some point gained so popularity that everyone wanted to use it no matter what and not knowing everything so but I, i'm happy that time to time people now understand that if you need the redux you'll use it but if you don't you can just do regular things and use the consumer api maybe or just pass some props it's not needed as a must so awesome well let's let's go ahead and do picks then before we do that though where do people find you online at least for me, I'm usually like on Medium now. I decided that I have some other topics I would like to write about. So I decided that I would be more active in the long term around these topics and to learn and to teach others. But in general, I think I would say Medium or maybe a little bit of GitHub. I just do my own personal projects and I'm just mostly there. I also follow, like it was mentioned, Twitter people, but I'm not maybe the most active person as a whole for myself, because at least in Europe, there are people who are using Twitter, but we're maybe we're usually the followers who follow the famous people, not the famous people ourselves. So, <laughs> gotcha. So you're all following Natter because he's so famous, and then I'm following other famous people because I'm not famous. <laughs> there we go. You will be so. You you you, sound, you make it sound like a virtuous cycle, or maybe an in, an, an incestuous cycle. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, let's go do some picks. Uh, Natter, do you have some picks for us? Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers, or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood, and I'm releasing a new course and ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks to two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or are looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. Yeah, um, I have a couple of picks. I guess the first one is they... Front End Con, it's a conference in Warsaw, and it's going to be in December. And it looks pretty cool. The, the speakers and stuff haven't really been fully announced, but some of the speakers I've seen so far look really, really interesting. Um, I'm going to be there 
giving a talk and a workshop. So if you're interested in learning about either AWS Amplify or AWS AppSync, then um, definitely come by and holler at us. We're going to be doing uh, the workshop for uh, Amplify, which is also going to cover AppSync, which is like the managed GraphQL service I mentioned earlier. So front-end con is my first pick. And the second pick is actually something called the AWS Amplify CLI. That's also something that I'm working on at AWS. We just released this a week ago from this recording. And it's actually something that's been in the works for a long time. And it's one of the reasons I joined AWS. It allows you to build our scaffold cloud services from your command line. It's, it's almost like a serverless Rails. So if you've ever used Rails, it's almost like Rails for serverless. So it's called the Amplify CLI. Um, I'm really, we're really excited about it. it. Seems to be getting a really good reception. So check it out if you're interested in building like full stack applications. Cool. I, at some point, I remember I wanted to like certify for the AWS certificate. And now I'm more motivated than than ever after hearing you talk about all the new stuff. So yeah, all the new stuff that I like my team is working on is actually like targeted at front end developers that don't really know AWS yet. So we're trying to make it easier actually for like new developers to to kind of like build these applications without having to leave their environment. So you can tip you can. I guess essentially just stay in your terminal and your command line and kind of like build these AWS uh, applications that use the services without actually having to go into the console, which is nice. Okay, cool. And at least for my picks, what I have decided was maybe the, the two, let's say, websites which I have learned most of my career as a React developer. So it will be like front-end masters and a hackhead. So at least for me, those two websites were really, really important and they allowed me to go from basics to more advanced stuff. And it was probably the kick I needed. And I think the other, like let's say pick at least for me is Dribbble. And maybe it sounds like an on-off topic thing, but I think Dribbble is good if you want to progress as a front-end developer a means of design and how to replicate design into real things. For example, I decided that I want to know, learn, let's say at some point, I was deciding to know, learn the grid or the, the flexbox. And just to go also out of those tutorials and just re take real websites and just duplicate them and how it's, how it's done. So at least for me, it was the coolest thing, how to do everything in in real life and to how to see how real designs or mockups are done and visualized as a real prototype. So, yeah. Awesome. I'm going to jump in with a couple of picks. So I mentioned at the start of the show, I'm working on codebadge.org. We're several weeks ahead. So by the time the this podcast goes live, the, the Kickstarter will be over. But you can still go to codebadge.org and get on the launch list as we get that rolling. I just wanted to see if people were interested in it before I built it. I also will have my book out, Get a Coder Job. You get that at getacoderjob.com. There's also a video course. I just, I want the, the questions that I get asked, and that's why I'm doing Code Badge and Get a Coder Job are generally how do I get a job from new folks or remote folks? Or the other question I get asked is how do I stay current? And that's what Code Badge is essentially aimed at is, you know, you can get like a, a basic learner badge or you can get a you know, some level of proficiency badge is kind of what I'm looking for. And then a, maybe a contributor badge and a core team badge for different projects and technologies and things like that. So, and then also I'm, I'm hoping to like interface with conferences and things like that and have conferences put out 
badges, you know, or like free code camp, you know, we, we talked about them. So maybe they have a free code camp badge where if you get to a certain level in free code camp, then you get the badge on there. But then people can kind of put the little uh, banner up on their website and, you know, highlight the badges that they're most interested in and let people know what they're capable of doing. So that that's the idea. And, you know, also you can kind of show off with your friends and, you know, see how many badges each other has and stuff like that. I just, it, it, it sounds like kind of a fun social way of letting people know what we're learning. So anyway, so I'm going to shout out about both of those. And then um, one other thing, and this is something that I, I was playing with last night. I've, I've used Zapier for years to manage a lot of the podcast stuff. And I'm kind of revamping the way that I do that. I've actually been working on a SaaS app to manage podcasts. And I have decided that I need to uh, integrate it with Zapier mainly because there are certain aspects of this I don't want to build. Like, for example, a scheduling app. I mean, why do that if if Google Calendar will do it or ScheduleOnce will do it? So I wanted the tie-in. So I've been tying that in to get that handled. And uh, anyway, it was really kind of interesting because you just pull down their uh, Node CLI tool and then you just build the app and then you run some code generators and change some stuff up and off you go. And of course, we were talking about the it's busted, it's busted, it's busted, it works, refactor it. And and that, that was essentially the process because it's a third-party tool that I didn't completely understand. And so I just kind of had to experiment with it to figure out how it works. So I've been a software developer for 12 years and I'm still, you know, I'm still screwing around with stuff and going, it's busted, it's busted, it's busted. Okay, now it works, you know, on to the next step. So you know, don't don't feel like you have to know it all up front. A lot of times, you know, I'm going to Stack Overflow and saying, how in the heck do I do this thing in Node or Ruby or something else that I've used for a long time. So anyway, Thomas, thank you for coming. Thank you for inviting me in the first place. It was, an, it was really, really fun and it was an honor. So. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.